0: Yeah, I was a heavy drinker, but I didn't recognize what the people closest to me recognized.
1: I ended up laying flatlined on a hospital operating table. Somehow the surgeons brought me back to life. When your life depends on it, there's only one place you can turn. Karen. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org/slash real. Karen. Real results. Real care. Real about recovery.
2: Welcome everybody to another episode of Cannabis Hour. We are always keeping you guessing when we're gonna post <laughs> our show. We will never be on time and we will certainly never have sound. And that is a guarantee, darn it. Javi, um, welcome, man. How's it going?
4: Pretty good. I mean, I, I would be frustrated with someone on the YouTube chat just left a note saying, you still always screw up the sound. If <laughs> only so they knew how not stoned we are. <laughs> I know,
2: man, listen. We all want to be stoned, okay? But it is what it is, you know? Well, we're gonna get it right, you know? We're gonna keep plugging away. We keep having awesome guests. You guys continue to keep watching us after the fact. Why Um, do people watch us? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just pre-recorded, you know, but once we get it live, we'll get you in there. I do want to call out a few cool pieces of news. So really quickly, before we get uh, Elad Barak on here, very excited for these three conversations today, by the way, I want to call out a very cool story. The OTC QX released their top 50 performing companies of 2020. Now, what that means is they calculated this based on equal, equal weighting of one year total return An average daily dollar volume growth over the last calendar year. Mm -hmm. So, five cannabis companies made that list. How cool is that? Five cannabis companies. You had to to lead them all. Any guess? Yeah. Yep. Guess. This is OTCQX. Give me some guesses.
4: Columbia Care.
2: They were the top one at number (sighs) fourteen. What else? They are CCHW.
4: No, Terrasend. I'm gonna Harrison was number them. two at number 23,
2: TRSSF.
4: Ah. Um, that's, oh, I can think of, OTCQX, oh, GTI. Right. GTI was number five. Boom. Yeah, okay. so GTIF. So what's the other
2: two? And they came in at number 48, so they just made it. The number three company, Planet 13 Holdings at P- PLNHF. And this one, I think, is... Just, it's so cool what these guys have done. They built slowly, they've built it the right way. Number four and number 41, Next Green Wave. That is NXGWF. So honestly, props to those five companies. They are doing it correctly. They are building it correctly. I expect a huge year from uh, a couple of these guys uh, in the consolidation factor. We already seen some, um, but outside of that, you know, these are are the companies that I think are, are worth a watch um anyway it's hobby i haven't even asked how
4: are you doing today man pretty good man excited uh today we saw so Agrify go public on the nasdaq uh is planning to raise about 45 50, 54, 54 million actually yeah. gauge closed on a a 50 million reggae plus uh funding uh round. um air strategies also acquired mm-hmm. uh blue camel for 75 million so it's been a very interesting week for financings and M and A, um, and hopefully we'll see some more yeah. you know, tomorrow. Y'all, the money is still
2: rolling. We okay. are still rolling. The in money the is toe. back. Yes, is back. <laughs> that is a great, great way to put it, Javi. The money is back. Uh, honestly, though, not to take away from the guests that we have on the show today, we have Let's three companies that are presenting different, I think, perspectives. Uh, of the topic of dosing, right? Mm-hmm. So this show is really discussing dosing. We're going to be covering that in the cannabis sense a couple of times, and we're going to be covering it uh, in a different uh, point of view with a psychedelics company. Very excited about this. Um, so, uh, you know, do you want to add anything to the, to that, Javi, before we no, bring No, man. Over I, just, Alon- I
4: just want to add right now, man. I, <laughs> I want to hear all about moisture. That's my jam. <laughs> oh i like this
2: Javi's ready to put it to Alad. uh let's bring him over um beautiful so elad is the ceo and co-founder or founder uh of voyager this is voyagerproducts.ca elad how are you sir
1: good thanks how are you guys
2: Good man, we are just going with the flow, it's what we do over here. I've
1: yeah. <laughs> been um, intro, and I hope we can show some people that it's not about being stoners.
4: Hey, honestly,
2: we are. I'm wearing a shirt,
4: <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> let, let me ask you one thing is, is that name Israeli? El- yeah, Barak. yeah yes. it sounds very Israeli, <laughs> yeah. very but, but we're, we're a Canadian company, and I've
1: been living in Toronto for the past seven years. Seven cool. years, fantastic. I like it.
2: Are, yeah, are you an OG in the space?
1: Um, no, I've been in the cannabis industry for three years. Um, but you know, what would you do before that?
2: How would you make your way to to a, a company that provides dosing products in the cannabis industry?
1: Yeah, I, it's kind of a of a you know, it's a weird story. But I, as I mentioned, I, I'm originally from from Israel, and I kind of did the regular path there. Military service was an officer in the military, and. Then I, I kind of like got myself into the aerospace industry in Israel, which is a, a big passion of mine. I worked there for five so years. You always, you always loved being high. That's a thing. yeah, <laughs> it seems. absolutely. And, and I actually worked on, on satellites that are thirty-six thousand kilometers high, so probably as high as you can get from equipment perspective. Um, so, so I've done that for a while. Worked in robotics, and then um, moved to Canada. Did my MBA. And a few years ago, um, I was always using cannabis, both professionally and medically, but I can't kind of like an official medical consumer. And that opened my eyes to the cannabis industry. I really wanted to join and be part of it. But for me, it was very important to to merge two passions, which is not only cannabis, it's also technology. So mm-hmm. I, I was looking how I can do something that involves both of them. And, and that's kind of what led me to in the end of the day to have Voyager.
2: Fantastic. So... Your company now now did, did it always start off as a as a company for dosing and vaping mechanisms.
1: Or not well, even vaping, sorry, dosing. No, just dosing, not vaping. actually we're, we're staying away from smoking and vaping. Um, but no, we, we started as a cannabis beverage. We wanted to, we felt that we have a better approach on how to do it from an operations perspective. Mm-hmm. And my my partner and I, while we were working on this, we, we had this aha moment where we understood that the real game is to allow consumers to add cannabis to anything they want, whether it's a beverage or just sublingually and to allow them to do it in a very accurate way so they can choose their own dose and they know what they're getting. And that's kind of like, we, we pivoted, we, we saw that something is missing there, right? You have all kinds of solutions that are, you know, we can argue how accurate or how good they are in dosing. Uh, even if they exist, they're not that simple, right? So that's kind of what we pivoted to um, but but I'll just mention that it was very important for us to say like okay it's not enough to just develop this product we wanted to make sure that we have a very uh, good offering for the potential consumers and cannabis users and we're building an ecosystem where allowing other partners to use our technology um, and you know take this also everywhere not only in Canada because we don't touch the plant and we're very scalable so we're definitely planning on taking this to consumers in the states and Europe and everywhere so wait, can,
4: can we really explain how the product works exactly? Because it's pretty unique, right? It, it's there's a lot of vapes, right? There's a, a million brands for cannabis flower, but what is liquid cannabis? How does it work? And what's the little machine that you use?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I, I'd say if it's okay, I'll just kind of. Mention what dosing is for us, because I think that's not that straightforward. Um, Please. And then maybe jump into that just to kind of make more sense to, to the listeners. And, and I think that when we mention dosing, a lot of people will kind of tell you, yes, I know what you're talking about. But when you start talking with, with different consumers or companies, you see that everybody approaches it differently. Uh, some will tell you that dosing for them is custom customization, right? Allowing them to say, I'm going to take one milligram today or five or 10. Uh, but then, you know, I've got a press release of a company today that's taking out an edible. And one of their highlights is that it's very dosable because it's precise. It's exactly five milligrams. If you take the full gum meat, you're getting five milligrams. So while some say dosing is customizable, some say dosing is actually giving you an accurate, precise dose. And, and we obviously think it's both of them together. But we have two more layers that we add in it. Uh, one is a direct successor of the precision, which is the repeatability. So if I know that my product is accurate and every time that I want to get, for example, four milligrams, I'm getting four milligrams, I can predict my next cannabis experience. Um, and then last but not least, we believe everything If the product isn't simple as it isn't convenient, then none of us can use it. Um, so that's kind of the thing that guide us. And with that, I'm happy to show more of a product and how it works, but as you mentioned, it's not the thing smoking at all it's actually for cannabis concentrates uh and to that matter it's for any concentrate so even the third company today that's going to talk about psychedelics uh, if they want to dispense a liquid we can do that with them and the way it works is is very simple you need to buy one time a dispenser um, and then you have to buy pods to concentrate whether it's a cannabis concentrate as we're talking or anything else and what we've done is we developed really unique pods it's kind of a sophisticated bottle it has an integrated dispensing mechanism. And once you connect the pot and the dispenser together, we can operate it now with Dispense liquid very accurately. If you want to get one milligram, five, 10, whatever you decide, we can give that to you very accurately. Mm-hmm. What
2: are the standards you're using for um, those that might put their product into your uh, machine, if that makes sense? Uh, so, the, the partners you're with, are you holding them to certain standards or are you asking them to? Uh, to, to meet any testing qualifications?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question because um, very kind of important to mention is that Voyager manufactures the hardware, right? We're developing it, but we don't touch the plant. So we sell the spots empty to the different cannabis companies. They fill it and then sell it. Very similar to what you see with a lot of vaping products, right? The companies, they buy the vaping equipment, fill it, and then sell it. Now, when you manage an ecosystem, kind of like what PAX or DOSIS is doing, compared to 510, you want to maintain, um, you know, some kind of quality assurance that your consumers know and are happy with. So that's something we're actually working with our uh, first partners. We want to have a voice on the table for that. And we know it's very important for them. As as somebody told us, they want to make sure that nobody buys a pod that gives a bad experience, right? Because that will harm the full ecosystem. So in order to address that for, to get the
2: this is a, a young baby CPG company. Is what it sounds like to me.
4: Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned uh, one of the things. You know, you know, you know. There's, you know, you have four milligrams, and you can predict your experience. How does tolerance play into all of this, right? Into the predictability of the experience and adjusting it?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we have to remember that in the end of the day, every one of the cannabis consumers, and we hear a lot of uh, CEOs speak about it, are very different. And that's why you know if you know a cannabis beverage company talks about sustainability, I can't drink with my friend the same bottle of cannabis because tolerance reasons I'm not going to get as high because I use probably more cannabis. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where the customizable goes into place. But you know Javier, if you're using my product the first time and you've never used cannabis, you'll have to try out something first to learn. I think the advantage with Voyager is that you can decide you're starting with one milligram. And if you're good with that, tomorrow you can go to two and three and you can decide your pace. It's not like, let's try something, see how I feel and, and do some best work. It's very accurate and you can actually monitor everything uh, through our app and get some guidance from there as well.
2: Do You have multiple delivery mechanisms. It, it seems like you were, you were saying sublingual, you were saying the, the cannabis uh, beverage dispenser. Um, I'm curious about some of your other lines.
1: Yeah, it, it's, so they're all, it's one dispenser the beauty okay. is that it can work with the different concentrates. Uh, in cannabis, we see two direct uh, use cases. One is the regular cannabis oil that we all know and are familiar with. Most people will put it sublingually. Um, but again, if they do it with a syringe or with a dropper, they're not going to reach the same levels of dosing and accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, there's these new products, which we're seeing here in Canada, and I'm assuming also in the States, which is cannabis, that has already been emulsified, but still comes as a concentrate. And there you're just, you know, you're invited to take it and add it to your own beverage and mix your own beverage, uh, right? And we've seen researches that show that that's, you know, one of the biggest preferences of consumers. We know that Ripple is doing great in Colorado. Um, but again, if you buy a Ripple bag or something to add to your beverage and it's exactly 10 milligrams, you don't have that dosing aspect. So we want to allow you to do that and take it with you anywhere.
2: Interesting. Great, so what's next for you guys? What does 2021 look like for Voyager? Yeah, and maybe, maybe a little insight on, on maybe what the past few months have looked like leading into that.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, we like to say that we, we follow a lot of milestones. Um, the last year with COVID, uh, we set a few um, really strong milestones that we achieved and I'm very happy with. First of all, we got our first working prototype. Uh, we've tested in a lab, we got great results, we have less than 3% error. So when I'm giving you a dose, I know that you're getting exactly what I'm saying. Uh, But not only that, we've secured co-packing agreements here in Canada, we've also submitted our patents or patent pending. And I can even mention that uh, two weeks ago, we got our first review from the CPT. So that's the international filing. And we've only been challenged in two claims out of uh, almost 30. So that's very encouraging um, and we see the patent moving well. We've Great. also submitted Health uh, Canada what's called NNCP. So that's essentially uh, approving our product to be sold in Canada. We've completed that process, uh, no feedback. So that's a good thing. And essentially that means that we're allowed to go and start selling it in Canada. We need to start talking with different uh, boards. Um, in addition, we closed uh, our first partnership with an event company and we're getting set. We signed a deal to do a test, sensory testing with uh, a leading licensed producer here in Canada. So we're getting ready for that. And and with that, I'll kind of tie to the next steps. Um, For us at Voyager right now, we're really focused on that sensory testing. So we're working to to go into a facility, a cannabis facility, where we can test this, bring a bunch of consumers, uh, let them enjoy the product. Um, We're we're having it manufactured as we're speaking in in food grade um, ingredients, so we can put cannabis inside it. And that's, I would say, the most uh, exciting thing. And then afterwards, we're going to launch it uh, probably later this year in the market, maybe market. Um, and it may be market. And obviously, for all of that, we're, we're, we are fundraising this year. So we're starting to talk with investors and, and move that ahead as, as well.
2: That's great. Um, so is there, is there a place where they can find more information on your raise or uh, do you have any specifics you'd like to pass now or maybe just kind of a stay tuned?
1: Uh, I mean, definitely our website has uh, information about what we're doing and a bit of information for investors. I think the best way to really get an insight in what we're doing, which is a full pitch deck, and if you really want to dive in to see some financials and more information, uh, is just contacting us directly, uh, again, either through the website, through LinkedIn, or just emailing me. It's a lot at Voyager Products CA, uh, and we're happy to share more. Um, yeah.
2: That's awesome. Javi, do you have any, any other questions for a lot? I, I know there's so much to cover in one company in 15 minutes, but uh, I've been hogging it.
4: I find all of the, the technology so interesting, right? So I, we don't have a lot of time left, but I really want to understand how you came up with this technology or how, like, where the idea came from. What made yeah. you think, you know, the way to go is this machine, right? Like, this is what people will need and,
1: and want. Yeah, I, I think, and, and you know, I'm gonna tie it to something that we hear sometimes: is how do you know that people want this? And and I think that exactly. there's, there's a <laughs> that's kind of my stuff. question because there's yeah. a learning curve for a product like this. I I, yeah. I I haven't been
4: you know in the cannabis industry for like seven years, but I haven't seen anything like that, right? So and, and,
1: and, yeah, and sometimes we get asked: is do you think we need it because we haven't seen it before? And I think that's that's a way to kind of ignore real need. Uh, I even heard a CEO of a pharmaceutical company said, is it needed? And I'm like, look, everything we do is dosed. So I I think the fact that we don't have a good solution doesn't mean there's not a real need. Uh, But we kind of went above and beyond to kind of look for those proof points, right? So first of all, we have partners that we're talking with here in Canada that are very excited, both on the medical and recreational side, uh, looking to join and buy the empty pots from us so they can put it on the market. So that's the first uh, good sign. But we also went and did a, a research, market research with a company called Dig, very respectful in the CPG world, but as well in the cannabis world, they've been working in it for a while now. And the results were, were great. Um, there's a big, big barrier for consumers to enter cannabis, mainly due to the control issue that they don't know what they're consuming. And that's a place that our product really uh, went well with their, their wants and needs. Obviously, a lot of consumers don't want to smoke or vape, and, and mm-hmm. we're one of many that, that follow that. And I would say the interesting part for us was we found that the what's called heavy users, the ones that consume on a daily or weekly basis, they get a product like this. Not only like they get it, they're willing to pay money to purchase it uh, at even higher price. So we were really surprised about the fact that the heavy users are probably more than willing to switch into a Voyager product. Huh. That's interesting.
2: That's really interesting. Awesome. Elad, I think we need to, to, to wrap this up, unfortunately, but uh, can they reach out to you with any questions if they're interested in maybe having a touch, maybe a, a small discussion on the financing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're very uh, approachable. Again, LinkedIn email, elad at voyagerproducts.ca, um, and, and happy to share more. Beautiful.
2: Thank you so much for being here, my friend. We look forward, are you going to be joining us February 25th? Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. We're joining the event. And, and, you know, I haven't said it because we started right away, but Benzinga has been awesome for us all the time. We've been in the events for the last two years in your events and always enjoy always learned something and always learned great people, meet, you know, great people. So appreciate those us. kind like, words. Yeah, yeah, thank
2: you so much for that, Elad. We appreciate Thanks. that, and we're happy to have you. And we look forward to hearing from you again in less than a month. Uh, but we will talk to you then, my friend. Be well. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah. awesome. That was a super interesting start to the discussion. I think, Hobby, uh, right, on dosing. I want one of those.
4: I, I really want to. Want one of <laughs> I really. <them> out.
2: <laughs> uh, and like <laughs> beverages right. are exploding. Like the beverage industry is exploding. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with our can C A N N discussion through three weeks ago. Yep. time flies people i don't know um awesome but let's keep moving uh, you know people don't want to hear from me they want to hear from our guests so next up is the chief science officer of midasin rob roscoe uh I, I you know i always say i hope i said that right uh but i don't know if i can screw that one up uh rob please don't tell me i screwed your name up
1: <laughs> no, no, that was perfect come though. on yeah, thank you
0: <laughs> awesome
4: That <laughs> one you can get. <laughs>
0: yeah i know right rob how are you sir Good. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today, especially about dosing. I think it's going to be really relevant in the psychedelic space. That's great. I mean,
2: did the last guest, act? you know, maybe interest you in using some of his products for any psychedelic products you have?
0: I think the the value points he was just talking about, you know, are absolutely applicable in the psychedelic space and in kind of a nuanced different way. I mean, he was really nicely highlighting how better dosability makes... Uh, cannabis products more compatible to the recreational consumer. And this is something that Midas and we see that same theme applying to the psychedelics, but not necessarily for recreational use, but actually for making them more compatible with therapy practice. You know, the, mm-hmm. the really solid clinical data that's coming out for depression relief, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, addiction, these sorts of uh, you know really serious medical conditions. We think that the same aspects or similar aspects of dosability will help that become more usable in the therapist's hands and, and really make a uh, headway in those conditions. So I'm so interested to see where
2: psychedelics goes. Javi, I'm gonna let you ask the next question, but yeah, I just I wanted mean, to let's say, let's rewind
0: like, just for a so bit.
2: Cool.
4: I mean, tell us about Midasyn. What do you do? You're a relatively new company. You went public, you're doing super interesting trials. You know, I have some friends who, who work with the
0: company and they tell mm-hmm. me a lot about what you do, but you know, do share because it's absolutely. So yeah, we're a company that's about a year old now. And so we really started the company to take hold of the the new potential that's really been highlighted with psychedelics, like the the clinical research that I was just mentioning, you know, this is really a a promising area to treat under under met conditions. And then you look at uh, fungi as a whole they're very very good producers of medically interesting compounds so if you kind of take those two things that was really a lot of the um, you know the interest and uh, impetus behind starting the company is seeing that potential and so now kind of you know fast forward almost a year and like Javier was mentioning we've really you know been able to itemize out a pathway for clinical trials to, to look at this in, in really, you know, a serious fashion and see how do these substances apply to the treatment of PTSD? How do they apply to, you know, other serious mental health conditions and how can we, um, effectively make them most compatible for that use you know right now we're seeing this really strong potential effectively of products of nature and they haven't been looked at in the same way um, with a similar you know pharmaceutical lens has been applied in other areas of medicine and so this is something that's really really strong potential and you know I think was highlighted by your last guest and how it applies into the the cannabis space and recreational products but it's a very you know large area to research that has a huge amount of potential.
2: Yeah, I want to follow up on that specifically, the R&D side. Mm -hmm. It seems to me we're so early on, right, in the psychedelic space, but it's also moving at an incredible rate. So, you know, like whether you grow 100 years in the next year or it takes five years, who knows, but um, I'm curious, you know, where are we exactly in the dosing aspect specifically? Uh, of psychedelics, are we are we are we in the infantile stages, um, or are we close to having some actual data? Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. So I think we're really asking the pointed questions right now of what is the best dosage for the conditions. You know, the the really promising research that's already out there is with large, often you know, referred to as macro doses, and this is great for highlighting the potential medical benefit here, but they haven't been taken to the next level uh, really to a great degree of asking, okay, well, we see this big benefit with a macro dose. How much can we lower that and possibly, you know, lower side effects to patients, make the effect more controllable in a therapy setting? So those questions are being actively asked right now. And you kind of see the opposite side of this coin as well with a really strong interest in micro dosing. And so there's, you know, big, you know, public perception, public interest in this, you know, wellness benefits around on microdosing. And so this is something that as a company we're also looking at. We're uh, actively sponsoring international research that is really looking at, you know, if people are self-reporting a big benefit with microdosing, what's the actual signal there? You know, what underlying conditions might they actually be treating and how do we take this, you know, really interesting public perception growing public interest and then work that into a, um, you know, more medical solution, you know, possibly for addressing underlying anxiety or these sorts of, you know, maybe undermet conditions in those patients. Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's been more of a
4: consciousness around Mm -hmm. dosing in the psychedelics world versus the cannabis world for a longer time. I don't know if you feel the same, but I, as you say, you know, this has been a, a, a topic of public discussion, you know, microdosing in Silicon Valley, right? And and then that, that kind of trickled down to cannabis, and, and people started talking about microdosing cannabis. Uh, do you see the same? And, and if so, why? Where where do you think this came from? And and you know, this this a lot of- dosing in psychedelics. Is it because yeah. the trip is harsher, right? Because not correctly dosing LSD or something is a super intense shrimp trip. And if you don't properly dose cannabis, well, maybe
0: you're a little bit too high and to you go to sleep. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think that last ex- aspect is a large uh, factor. I mean, this is something that there's, you know, a massive dose escalation effect where you get, you know, very serious, uh, you know, effects as far as people's perception of reality, perceptions of mm-hmm. uh, time, et cetera. And so it's very, you know, discernible to the users. You also see this kind of in uh, when you talk to researchers, it actually makes it hard to blind subjects because they understand when they're taking these substances, it's hard to make a, a placebo in that context. So I think initially that was where a lot of the the interest in, um, you know, these different levels of dosing with psychedelics come in to, because they're just easier for the general use. Uh, user to understand these sort of different tiered levels. But beyond that, if you look at it in a, you know, a drug design sort of fashion, these are, um, you know, compounds that are interacting at the same receptors as a lot of our antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs, you know, they're mm-hmm. an overlapping set of uh, details there. And so I think also that's a factor is that, you know, the idea of being able to use those in the same aspect for, you know, antidepressant, these sorts of things you don't necessarily need the full blown hallucinatory effect to see those benefits. And so it's the combination of those two, you know, really, you know, good awareness of uh, dosage plus then the practical use of lower doses.
2: There might not be an answer for this yet, um, but to kind of piggyback off that mm-hmm. compared to cannabis, <laughs> probably your least favorite phrase on the planet I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> if five milligrams is good for me. Two or three milligrams is good for my fiance.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Is
2: it that much, is it that variant, that type of a discrepancy on the psychedelic side as well, where it's like you experiment, you find the right dosage, or is it a little bit more like Javi and I could take the same dosage and my fiance and her cousin, Jessica could take the same dosage. I'm curious, like what, maybe how that might work on the psychedelic side of things.
0: Definitely. So it's still like you're saying a a recent or a, a research question that's open, but it does seem like there is differences in how people actually build up tolerances with psychedelics compared to cannabis where the tolerance is much more rapidly built with repeated usage and then mu- goes away much more uh, rapidly as well and so because of that time course difference it's kind of thought of in a, in a, in a different way so i guess the best way that i would i would kind of uh, characterize that great how does that that time
4: look like right in, in, in you know actual days or weeks or whatever
0: yeah, so the a lot of the um, you know treatment courses are really only a single dosage or doses spread out over a long period of time, and the reason for that is is that you're inherently then getting rid of any sort of tolerance effect. You know, if you have weeks in between doses in a therapy context, you're not worried about needing to you know provide twice as much or three times mm-hmm. as much if you're dosing on a on a daily basis. But it really this highlights too, you know, the fact that. Macro dosing to see the effect um, in these populations does not at all at this point get to what's the best time course of treatment for the same patients. We know that the potential is there, but there's likely a much more optimal dosage level and then time course to match the potential of these drugs to enhance therapy and then really match it with the actual course of therapy. You know That, that work is still completely ongoing and it's something that we're actually you know, targeting with our PTSD work is iteratively looking at, at that across multiple patient groups in multiple locations.
2: So being that we are an investor focused channel (laughs) and show, I I think it's poignant for uh, our viewers to understand, um, you know, a little bit about the direction of 2021 uh, and beyond uh, for Midas and maybe on a financial. I know you all just put out a press release. Was it yesterday that there's a cool potential uplisting in the future or an application for it at least? So uh, do you want to dive into that for us?
0: Definitely. No, that's really exciting. And that's something that, you know, as a company, we're really excited to be able to possibly uplist our stock because it, it really kind of points us in or paints us in a much more respectable light and it really shows the level of detail and, you know, kind of a robustness to the foundation that I think we've been building the company with. And so this is something that, you know, it's been an ongoing effort and we're really you know, proud of that potential. And I think it will um, serve to really kind of compare our company in, in the, the correct light. And if I think about you know, our business opportunity moving out over the next you know, year uh, and beyond, really the, the company is a biopharma ph- you know, focused company. And you know, we're talking about the interesting compounds out of, out of fungi, which is completely where we're focused. But how we, you know, secure this value moving into the the future is very much intellectual property based, and is similar very much to a lot of, uh, you know, biotech um, type work, and so that's where we feel like that's going to give us the best uh, venue to be correctly compared in an investor context. You were Fantastic. also
4: included this week in the in the new, um, canon, oh, sorry, psychedelics ETF by Horizon. Yep. Um, want to tell us about it? I don't know, are you excited? Are you happy? Uh, what what kind of impact has it had on the stock? What kind of impact do you expect on the stock? Oh, he's depressed about it, Javi. Come on.
3: <laughs> you know, again, him,
4: <laughs> come on, you
0: know that. <laughs> No, we're we're really excited about this as well, and I think you know the like I was saying with the you know possibility of uplisting to the Nasdaq, our goal is to really you know be able to to compare the company and provide the company to you know the visibility to investors where it allows them to compare across the industry, and um, it's an area where we feel there's just a, a large. Amount of work to be done. And so we're really, you know, flattered and, and, uh, you know, proud to be part of that group. And, you know, I think it's a a strong group of companies that are really making headway in this space. You know, it's a a large pie to be all uh, looking at, you know, doing research in. And so it's something that we're really happy to, you know, both collaborate when we can, but also in this case to be uh, included in the ETF there. So, uh, kind of an
2: interesting follow up question. You know, I, I see celebrity influencing maybe being a little bit less poignant in the psychedelic space generally because it's more medicinally focused. Um, but, you know, even so, you know, you have the name Kevin O'Leary, you know, behind MindMed. Are uh, other big investors, big personalities, uh, even, you know, those who maybe have experienced uh, addiction or PTSD uh, going to be valuable, you know, to the space uh, or even to Midas and
0: I think absolutely. Ambassadors that have personal experience are going to be very important to the general industry, and you know, Mitas it as part of that. But the the real importance that I see is that this category of drugs has seen such negative press over the last few decades. And that's really you know, changing with the new research that's being brought to bear, but that's not necessarily immediately obvious to the non-scientific consumer. And so I view a lot of those influencers, uh, you know, uh, role models, if they can really provide their per- personal experience and then get that across to the, uh, you know, the general public, I think that'll be very instrumental in mm-hmm. changing that public perception and allowing people to you know, decide, you know, is this something that they'd be interested in for their, their own health and you know, trust that it would be helpful for them.
2: As a quick follow-up, I mean, is that something you all would consider in the future, kind of searching out for that type of partner? Uh, Or is that maybe a little further down the road for somebody, for a company like Midasyn?
0: I mean, if it is. A little bit down the road, but as a company, we are always, you know, looking to do anything that moves that, um, what I was just, you know, talking about with this public perception that moves that into a more positive light, because this Mm -hmm. is something where we see, that's just really holding back the research. You know, there's no real benefit to having this negative perception, if we're looking at this in a completely, you know, uh, medical and pharmaceutical type uh, focus, you know, possibly relevant if you're talking about recreational use and risks there, etc. But, you know, in a, a medical focus, you know, we're looking to actively, you know, remove that stigma and really paint the, the picture that this is a, a you know, a trustworthy therapy when it, when it's, uh, you know, applied correctly with uh, therapists. Super interesting. I'm going to take the last question and then we got to,
4: wrap it up after that but there's this big debate uh, in the psychedelic space and it's you know synthetic versus natural right um which one are you why do you think it's better and how does that tie into dosing and the ability to dose better
0: or you know more easily or not Absolutely. So it's an interesting question because if you look at the individual molecules it doesn't really matter if they're, you know, a, a natural product versus a synthetic one if they're actually, you know, fully, you know, just that one one compound. But then there's a lot of nuance with that where people are, you know, the historical use of uh, especially psychedelic mushrooms is in their natural form where you're not only just looking at psilocybin and psilocin. There's other minor components in there that are adding to the effect and likely creating an entourage effect very similar to cannabis. And so as a company, this is something that is complex to research, but we're very interested in kind of, you know, logistically stepping into this uh, complexity of where does the value lie in the the naturalistic form, because there's there's really interesting uh, hints from uh, traditional use that different species of mushrooms have vastly different effects. And at the moment, science considers these as you know completely uh, interchangeable, the same exact effect, just based on psilocybin uh, content. And so this is something that you know we're we're interested in understanding these details, and then from that point, seeing if there's you know medical benefit of, of uh, you know leveraging those. So it's something that's a very interesting area and something that we're looking at. Yeah, that's awesome. So, really quickly, uh
2: OTC, M-Y-C-O-F. Uh, can they reach out to you? Where can they go to learn more about Midasin?
0: Absolutely. So we're really approachable at Midasin. Uh, you know, all of our uh, C-suite is on LinkedIn. We're really uh, approachable and accessible on LinkedIn if you look for the company and then uh, look for us under there. Also, our, our website is a great way to reach out and we have a, a contact link on there. And so, I mean, definitely people that are interested in the space, the research that we're doing, you know, more than uh, you know, extend the invitation to reach out. Beautiful.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Rob Roscoe, Chief Science Officer at Midasin. That is M-Y-D-E-C-I-N-E. Thank you again so much you, and yeah. be well. Thank you. Great. Javi, two completely, completely different uh, guests.
3: Oh, My look is making an appearance. Javi!
2: Uh, <laughs> she agrees. I think, she, I, I think she's really excited though for our last <laughs> guest. I, I think this is what this is. Uh, many made an appearance but uh, honestly I'm super excited for our last guest I have been in this industry for maybe two and a half years maybe a month in I heard about uh, Mara Gordon
4: I mean she's an idol to me one of my favorite people on earth super excited to have her
2: well, please introduce her. Well, we'll get her camera and uh, mic turned on, but Javi, I'll let you take the race.
4: I want her to to tell her story. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's been portrayed in, in documentaries and in countless articles and in a million interviews, but it never gets boring to me. It's it's one of these histories of passion and, and real advocacy and commitment to the movement and, and to the people so I mean,
2: find somebody that talks about you the way Javi talks about Mara. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mara how are you? I'm great thank you so much for having me I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I was listening to the other guests, and I was like, oh, I have a comment on that. Oh, I have a comment on that. I have an opinion on that, because I have an opinion on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait to hear them. Uh, well, as, them on.
2: <laughs> yes, but we first, I think our guests deserve to know a little bit about your background uh, and how we got to, to, uh, to now. Okay.
3: All right. So um, I am, by training, I'm a process engineer. So uh, very much about uh, looking for patterns and repeatability and consistency. That's my, that's my wheelhouse in, in no matter what industry and no matter how I live my life, I do that the same way. Um, when I first, you know, in a very small nutshell, when I first was introduced to cannabis, my first questions were, how do you dose it? And back in those days, there wasn't even any lab testing. Yeah. So no, it was just, it was just a joke. And, um, so I thought I saw the benefits of it for myself and I was like, I got to figure this out because there's a lot of people out there that are like me that are not naturally, you know, cannabis wasn't part of my world. In fact, I didn't even know the word cannabis. I knew marijuana, but I didn't even know cannabis, um, that could be helped by this and should be helped by it. And it should be an option for them. And so I decided I was going to be the one to figure out how to do it. Um, You know, because I had already done, you know, I had a background where I'd done a lot of very large-scale, complicated uh, software uh, designs using artificial intelligence and machine learning and things over the years. I figured I would apply that same methodology to solving the cannabis dosing conundrum and, you know, I initially wasn't really looking at it, this as serious. I was kind of looking at my demographic, more of the baby boomers and helping with some of the, you know, uh, opioid reduction, you know, uh, alternatives for some of the terrible drugs out there. But then very, very shortly after I got started, the first cancer patient came to us and it was a six year old little girl Uh, with the brain tumor, she had uh, glioblastoma multiforme, and her parents were just like, you know, begging us to see if we could help. And that's what started me on this then journey down through uh, cancer and pediatric cancer in particular, and um, uh, collecting all the data around the usage on that. Of course, I had to create a bunch of companies to support to to solve this problem, because (laughs) can't do it in a vacuum. You can't go to a dispensary and buy a brownie and then figure out how to dose it. You have to know what the brownie has in it first, right? Right. So uh, I started to, Aunt Zelda's actually making the products so that um, uh, I, I started lab testing and uh, I guess it was like April 2011. And so being able to like have uh, quasi-accurate, as accurate as testing is, uh, information and then Um, validating on usage against diseases and about 300 data points, I've been able to do a pretty good job of predicting what's going to work and what the therapeutic levels are going to be for patients. How's that, Javi? That's
4: fantastic. (laughs) I mean, and and you kind of walk us into the first question in in terms of, you know, I'm a newbie. What's dosing? How do I dose, right? Right.
3: So the first, that's a, that's a question that we am asked quite a, quite frequently. Um, the first thing I usually do with patients is start them out learning how to read a label because that seems like, you know, it would be the most obvious thing in the world, but it takes me sometimes three and four back and forth with people before I get them to understand that when I want to know milligrams and not milliliters, and I want to know, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't need to know what's in the jar. I need to or in the bottle. I need to know what's in the milligram, you know, of of of, of volume. So anyway, so the, what I would tell people always is when you're talking about dosing, it's how much you take and how frequently you take it that's that's the basic for what a, a, a therapeutic dose if you have a pharmaceutical that you take from your doctor or even if you go and over-the-counter buy a bottle of Tylenol it's going to say on there take two every 12 hours that's the dose right with with a lot of the more contemporary cannabis products that are coming pre dosed in capsules and mm-hmm. and and sublingual troches and things like that, it's easy because you can say take one, which is what people are more comfortable with in a lot of cases. But when you're using the tinctures where I personally prefer like an infused olive oil or something so that we can titrate somebody very carefully to get them to their therapeutic dose. And the therapeutic dose is the amount it takes to achieve what your objective is with the medicine, All right, Anything more or less is just you know, random. But mm-hmm. if I have a headache and I want to take enough cannabis to get rid of my headache, I don't want to get high. I just want to get my headache to go away. So the, So it's about understanding what you're trying to accomplish with it when you select the starting dose. I always tell people to start much, much lower than they think they're going to need. I mean, I've started people on a third or a half of a milligram just to desensitize, especially people that are cannabis naïve. Oftentimes, the very first time they use it, they don't even feel it. And they go, oh, well, that was nothing, so I'll take more next time. Well, it's really just your endocannabinoid system has never been activated by a plant medicine, so it's going to take a little first time, you know. Yeah.
2: I learned that my senior year of college, sitting around a campfire. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Mara, uh, is there a third aspect to this, you know, in terms of how how the, you know, you just touched on it a little bit on how the cannabis is ingested uh, or or taken, um, the effectiveness, you know, versus what you're trying to, um, what you're trying, I don't want to say heal, but to, you know, to, to, to yes, thank you. Uh, you know, isn't it better to have it have the onset quicker? Or, or does that matter as much in terms of the effectiveness of it?
3: You know that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, question, and I would say the answer is yes and no. Um, and the reason I say that is uh, oftentimes uh, cannabis medicine is used uh, in conjunction with another cannabis medicine. If I have some, let's say for example, and I'm just going to use that that same person with the headache, okay? Uh uh-huh. They have a horrible, miserable headache. They're suffering they don't wanna take something that's gonna take two hours to take effect. Mm-hmm. So they, can, they can take something that has an, op, an uh, a rapid onset, right? right? And at the same time, go ahead and take the longer action acting one because the, 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 the flip side to the rapid onset is it also rapidly goes away. Mm-hmm. So you have a much shorter where you might use a sublingual that lasts six or eight hours and a rapid onset might last an hour and a half. Gotcha. I mean, I think that, that so. Um, if I have somebody who uh, forgot to take their sleep medicine and they don't want to be up till 2 a.m. waiting, they can use something that's rapid onset now and then take the other, and it'll keep them asleep through the night.
4: How, how do you dose that? I mean, how do you make that calculation? I know, for instance, again, like let's say Elliot needs five milligrams. What do I do? Like two for rapid onset and three more, four more? Like, well, how does that even work?
3: Right. Well, the reality is the rapid onset is likely to be gone by the time the other one takes effect. So if it's, there's not going to really be any overlap per se, even more so on the CBD, CBD goes a little faster than the THC.
2: You beat me to it, Mara.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, it, it really, if five milligrams is your dose, you can use a five milligram rapid onset, you know, an hour and a half later, it's going to have already, you know, you've already going to peaked and gone down while you're going to peak almost right away and be going down while the other one is just starting to take effect. well the first time you do it, you shouldn't do that, though. See mm-hmm. how it is for you. Everybody should, everybody needs to do, you know, the same way if you color your hair, they tell you to do a patch test, make sure you're not allergic, you know, or something like that. People should use common sense even though common sense is not very common and, you know, and test it out first, you know, just to make sure that that's the case for them. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the rapid onset, except in very specific uh, conditions. So can I, can I
2: piggyback off that? And I'm not a a non-believer in CBD products. I think I just need a little bit more education. So specifically referring to dosing, um, can you tell me about, you know, is there a CBD product that, or type of CBD product that you find more effective in, this, in these situations? But uh, I, I can't imagine all CBD products right now are created equal. So maybe how, how a, uh, a consumer figures that out for themselves outside of just experimenting on all 20,000 CBD products there are available.
3: I, my heart breaks for the way that CBD has been introduced. In, in this country um, and around the world. I, I feel like it was a conspiracy by the few to get rich because the reality is I believe that CBD that's used as medicine is just another cannabinoid within the plant that should be regulated and controlled as far as a full spectrum so that you have the entourage. And I mean the real meaning of full spectrum, not these modern marketing version where, oh yeah, we put a few terpenes in there and we call it full spectrum. I don't mean that. I mean, the cannabis plant was fine just the way it was. It became a, a, a legal issue to make a lot of people, uh, a lot of money to have hemp separated out with the CBD. I think that hemp has a tremendous opportunity to do fantastic things for this world but the CBD should still be regulated as a medicine. Not about the regulation part, but of the safety for consumers, because mm-hmm. you're right. I've been heartbroken by patients that have come to me and they'll pull a, a jar out or a bottle out of their pocket and they'll show me what they're taking. And I'll look at it and it's like, I, we can have it independently lab tested, but I doubt there's any CBD in here. Or if it says 50 milligrams, it's probably five milligrams or whatever. And because yeah. of a lot of times it's the isolate and it's not, uh, there's no other compounds within it to make it have a better effect for them. Um, I, I'm just not a big fan at all. I believe that cannabis products include CBD products. So, you know, um, how do they know what good ones out there? you to want to wanna get something that has a, a full spectrum Full spectrum does not mean that there's THC in there. Full spectrum means that it's the the components that were within the plant before it was processed are still within the natural uh, ratios that they would be there based upon the processing itself. So use processes that work. I mean, we use ethanol uh, extraction because ethanol is, is ancient and it works and it's good. And you know, uh, I remember when I first started this, everybody was moving towards CO2 mm-hmm. because it was easier. And they thought, well, it has to still be run through a rotovap through ethanol at the end anyway. So all you're really doing is adding a $150,000 piece of equipment to <laughs> destroy, destroy the plant and then put it back together again. So I think the reason that a lot of people fail with CBD products is because they are either these isolates and so, and they do need to have an entourage effect. They do need to have more to them. And um, I, I don't really trust a lot of the of the labeling. You know, you ask to see COAs, ask to see the lab results, um, see if they're FDA approved, all that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. T- go tying ahead. Tying into that, right. Um, you know, thinking as, as a retail investor, right, for a second. Uh, imagine I'm a retail investor, I'm not particularly familiar with cannabis science, right? But I want to decide what's a good investment for me. What, What company is good? What company isn't? What company will be around? When the dust settles, right? What are some of the indicators that that one has to look for, you know, to find what a good company is from your side, right? In, ter- in terms of product quality, in terms of quality assurance, in terms of safety, like right? what what can an investor look for? Where where do you find some of that information?
3: You know, that's a that's an excellent question. Um, the first thing that I always look at is who's the manufacturer. Are they just white labeling somebody else's formulation so that they can go out into the market? Are they co-packing where they're actually creating a formulation that they're having somebody else make for them under their, uh, under their IP and their guidance? Um, look, at who they're, look at who the company is. Is it made up of a bunch of investors and marketing people or you know, from the CPG world? Or is there anyone in there that has you knows a stick about science and anything about healthcare and pharmaceuticals and things like that. So you really need to look at the, up, at the makeup of a company to decide whether they have any chops in it or whether they're like, wow, we're just gonna jump on the CBD bandwagon and you know put all of our money into marketing and sales team and affiliates and all that. So that's the first thing I would say is looking at, at that. I mean, who manufactures it and who's on their team?
2: Hmm. Mara, don't drop your computer but if you had a mic to drop I would love for that to happen right now uh, <laughs> you're throwing some knowledge at us today uh, we are unfortunately just so much unfortunately running out of time uh, can people reach out to you and do you want to tell us a little bit about just in a quick like minute summary of where Aunt Zelda specifically is going this year
3: right right I, I'd love to so um, I've kind of gotten fed up with the US in the way that, that's cannabis <laughs> Being rolled out here. In fact, I'm moving on Saturday to Mexico. Um, Ooh, wow, Mexico! <laughs> I got Spanish now. So, um, but I mean, like right now, I'm licensed by a company called Psilocybin. It's in South Africa. Uh, Gabriel Theron is fantastic. He's my uh, partnership there. Uh, he's uh, licensed Antzelda's for manufacturing for export. We're already going to be exporting into Brazil, and looks like we'll be into the UK here before long. I've been spending all of my COVID time um, working on my software platform. I do want to say it's called Octopi Wellness, OctopiWellness.com. If any medical professionals or anybody that you know of pre-sign up, we'll be releasing it to the next hundred doctors uh, after Q1. So I'm very excited about that. And you know what? And there are I still get I still get um, approached a lot about licensing Aunt Zeldas in other states, and I would love to do that, but it would have to be a license agreement, not
0: mm-hmm.
3: me having somebody manufacture. and, you know, I mean, I'm more interested in the data. The data is my thing and understanding dosing. And I think I've kind of got that dialed, how to get how to get us there.
2: Great, thank you so much, Mara. I, unfortunately, we do have to call it there, but uh, dot <laughs> .com,
4: org. Yeah. Zelda's. Are you raising? How can people support you? I mean, are you we're raising for the platform?
3: We're, yeah, we're going to be raising for the platform after this 2.0 is released. So yes, stay tuned. Yes, How do we reach you for that? Absolutely. I will definitely come talk to you.
4: Great. You. What's the best way to reach you? Like people who are invested, interested in investing in this?
3: Um, just you could reach me at Mara at antzeldas.org. I mean, they all go end up going into the same pile. Of- and <laughs>
2: I understand that for sure. Mara, thank you so much again. We're so happy you've been here with us. So much knowledge. Uh, can't wait to have you back. And I hope your move is successful uh, thank and you so easy.
3: Much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
2: Bye. Oh, Javi, we had some knowledge dropped on us today, my friend.
4: It was a fabulous show. I always feel we're short with every interviewee. I know. You need to make the show longer.
2: Well, I mean, investors, uh, once you see this, uh, drop a one if you want maybe a a four hour show or a two if you want an eight hour show. You know, just let us know which one you want, because obviously those are the choices. Um, But I tend to agree. You know, everybody has more knowledge than a 15 minute segment can provide. But uh, regardless, we're super grateful uh, to our guests for being here. Again, uh, we are uh, working out these technical issues that have plagued us early on this year, but ideally we will see everybody next week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, ideally. Otherwise, okay. this bottle of bourbon may be empty. Uh, I brought it to make a joke, but then we didn't go live today, so. Oh. <laughs> awesome. We'll I mean, <laughs> I mean, thanks for joining me today, man. Always good to, Always good to see you.
4: Till
1: next time. All right. Later, everybody. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that
4: because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again.
1: You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, (laughs) nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. When your life depends on it, when everything is on the line, you've got to get real about addiction treatment. Only Karen offers 65 years of medical expertise in evidence-based treatment with real, proven results. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. So if you're ready for something real, visit caron.org slash real today. Karen. Real results. Real care. Real about recovery.